As we begin uh, our message today, would you stand with me for a reading of the scriptures? This is from Philippians chapter 4. Stand if you're able. I'd like to read this over you as an encouragement. It says this. Always be full of joy in the Lord. I say it again, rejoice. Let everyone, who see, let everyone see that you are considerate in all you do. Remember, the Lord is coming soon. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your heart and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. And now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. Keep putting into practice all that you learned and received from me, everything you heard from me and saw me doing. Then the God of peace will be with you. This is the word of the Lord. Amen? Why don't you grab a seat? Uh, just two quick reminders. I know they were on the announcements, but immediately after this service, we're going to be having a brief family meeting as a church, just filling you in on how things are going, where we're going, what we need, and also um, just the big dreams that we believe God has for us. And so family meeting is coming up right after service. Immediately following that, we're doubling up on meetings. We've got a student ministry family meeting in our, um, in our conference room, and that will be more engaging, more discussion-based. First meeting is going to be more information for you. Second meeting is going to be more hanging out, talking about student ministry here at Highlands coming up. So, all right, here we go. Week two, we made it. We are on week two of a new focus for the coming ministry year, and if you missed it last week, I just want to encourage you to go back and listen on the podcast, but for now, here's a brief recap. Uh, so this is what we talked about last week. We believe that God wants us to be a people that see the world like he does, a people that see the good, that we would see his goodness and allow what we see to create a new baseline perspective for how we see every other part of our lives. That we would no longer approach this life as a glass half empty, but rather we would assume a future where it's overflowing with good because of the Holy Spirit breaking into our human experience. Now, what do I mean by this? I mean, I, I believe that God wants us to see these days with fixed lenses of glory and goodness. That we would see beyond the veil of our situations and our circumstances and into what might be if and when God chooses to inject his goodness into a moment. This is where we're hanging out, that we would see the good. God wants us to see that he is good and that his goodness is meant to create a whole new perspective for all who believe. A perspective, again, not based on what seems reasonable or, or practical or even possible, but rather one informed by the unlimited power of Jesus, who reigns supreme over all creation and still calls you and me friend. This is where we started last week, laying this new foundation for how we must see the world. Now, with all that said, today I'd like to build on this baseline perspective by talking about how we, you and I, in real life, can practically begin to see the good in our situations, our circumstances, in our blessings, in our burdens, in every season. And so if you're taking notes today, I'd like to call this message, See the Good in Every Season. 
see the good in every season. And as we begin today, I'd like, I'd like for everyone to just think back to a moment or, or season where what, whatever you were experiencing felt just totally impossible. Just totally impossible. And I don't want you to focus on the immediate, because we've all got stuff in the immediate, but, but, but instead I want you to remember a moment or a season from your past that on first pass you had no idea how you'd make it through. Or even if you did make it through, you had no idea how there could ever be good on the other side. Maybe for you it's with family. Maybe for you it's, it's with your health. Maybe it's financial, tough financial situation. Maybe it's a work thing that, that you're going through or you went through and you just didn't see how God could ever do anything good. Picture that for a minute, a challenging time of indecision, confusion, frustration, pain, a moment where you felt like every effort and every idea were extended, but you still had no clear end in sight. Recall that scene in your memory. As I was thinking about this past week, um, as I was thinking about this over the past week, I, I realized that for me, I have plenty of moments like this. As I have walked a pretty interesting path with the Lord over the past 20 years. But, but the one thing that I would say really comes to mind for me was this, this season where just before I met Rebecca, my wife, um, it was a time where I was still in kind of like recovery mode after my brother died, which was super brutal on its own. But, it, but it, in the wake of that big trauma, there were all these like little traumas and little problems that kind of came up too. And so it was this season where I had just gone back to school in Minneapolis, trying to become a man, all that good stuff. And, but I, I was just a mess. I was a mess. I had no clear vision for life, uh, nor did I even know where to look. I was emotionally, relationally, financially, especially financially, just wrecked. But there I was, giving it my all. There I was in my mid-20s, just trying to get through the day, when in one of my design classes, I sparked up this friendship with a girl, and man, she was cool. She was fun, she was dynamic, she, she loved good art and better coffee, and so, and so naturally I just assumed that we were destined to be together. Just destined to be together. I mean, I like art, I like good music and good food and good coffee. What else was there, of course? And so we started hanging out, right? And, and we went on a few dates, but, but listen, my, <laughs> I know Doug, you're like resonating right now, right? Okay, you're like, good food, good music, good art, coffee. What else is there? <laughs> and so anyway, we, we started hanging out, and um, we went on a few dates, but, but my, still, my still, like, broken heart that I had carried with me, my broken heart, my broken mind, they were starved for any ounce of good I could feel or experience, and they were moving faster than hers. And so one night, I remember, um, she stopped me just outside the dining hall on campus, and she said, listen, David, listen, David, I, I like hanging out. I think you're cool, but I, I, I think we're on different pages here. I just don't see this going anywhere. I don't see us together. And, and while I wasn't all that surprised because I still had this innate tendency for negativity in my life in this season, I, I assumed the worst. So I wasn't all that surprised. I still was totally unprepared and absolutely crushed upon receiving this news that our one month of casually dating was now over. And so I did, friends. And guys, I know what you can talk about. I know you know this. 
I did what any self-respecting man would do in that situation. I went home, and I cried, and I wrote a bunch of sappy love songs, okay? And then, and then after that, I, I tried to reason with her on, uh, and persuade her one text at a time that I was awesome and that she should date me. And then after that didn't work, after every other effort failed, I started begging God to make sense of this situation I, and, and convince her. This was my prayer. I was like, God, just convince her that she made a mistake, like the climax of a bad Hallmark movie, okay? Have her come, knock on the door, and say, I was wrong, but friends, my dream, it never came. And nothing changed. And I was once again seeing little more than ceilings and limitations as I looked to the future. I could not imagine for the life of me. I could not imagine how anything good could possibly come from this. Because I knew, I knew what was best, right? I knew what I wanted and what I believed would fulfill me and satisfy me. I knew what it would, what would it take to bring me the greatest possible life, and now this thing was gone. And it was gone until it was good. When just a few months later, I, I was randomly randomly connected with this beautiful Southern Belle named Becca on Facebook through some mutual friends in Nashville. Totally impossible, right? Totally impossible. And over the course of the next year, our stories began to write themselves together on the same page. As she relocated from Mississippi to Minneapolis for grad school, where we then started dating, it's just impossible, right? This is impossible. My heart and mind we're finally healing, impossible. We get engaged a few months later and married five months after that, and now, now my vision was clear, and I was able to see the good, not, not, not just in what is, but I could see the good in what was. And, and now what once appeared again totally impossible the year before was now little more than a memory from what felt like a former life, and, and I was now living in the greater good the greater good that God planned for me. And listen, I, I know that we've all been in moments like this. If you're still breathing today, then you've been in seasons where the future seemed impossible. Amen? If you're still breathing, then you've been in seasons where the future seemed impossible only to find somehow at some point what was once a wall was really just an open door into the unexpected good with God. And we might not always see it in the moment, in the, in, in the shadows of life. We might not always see it. We might not even want to see it as we look back on what we thought was best. But on the other side of that door called hindsight, we can all see with open eyes that the future was always there waiting. A future that was revealed and established through the goodness of God breaking into our story. The goodness of God, making all things good. Because, y'all, that is the promise that God gives us, right? The promise is that his goodness will break into our stories and bring about our good in every season. And we see this all throughout the scripture, but check this out in Romans chapter 8. This is the Apostle Paul. He's writing to the church in Rome, facing all sorts of impossibilities, all sorts of evil, pain, and injustice to which he reminds them. He says that the Holy Spirit will help you in your weakness. 
The Holy Spirit will help you as you await future glory. But in the meantime, verse 28, here's the reminder. He says, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. All things work together for good. Verse 29, for God knew his people in advance and he chose them to become like his son so that his son would be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. Verse 30, and having chosen them, he called them to come to him. And having called them, he gave them right standing with himself. And having given them right standing, he gave them his glory. This is the promise that God gives to and fulfills for his people. And again, we see it all throughout the scriptures. God making what would appear to be impossible possible. And what was once assumed to be this eternal burden into somehow into a blessing. From Abraham, follow me real quick. From Abraham being childless as an old man and everything seemed impossible to being called by God and raised up to be the father of his people on earth. From Abraham to Joseph, uh, a son turned slave, turned savior for Egypt. From Moses, from, from Joseph to Moses, a man who should have been killed as a baby, being raised as royalty in Egypt, only to have an Egyptian, uh, to kill an Egyptian and run away and become a shepherd before God called him through a burning bush. Impossible. And, and used him to rescue his people. From Moses to all of Israel, crossing the Red Sea on dry ground to eventually take the promised land God provided. This is impossible. Up to David, right? Up to David, the youngest son going against the giant Goliath. Impossible. Only for him to become king. A king who eventually sins against his friend by having an affair with his wife and then sends him off to war to die. That should have been the end of the story, friends. That should have been the wall that stopped King David, but instead, David takes his friend's wife Bathsheba as his own wife. And they have a child named Solomon, and Solomon is a child who eventually gives line, the genealogy that brings us to Jesus. Who could have ever imagined? Who could have ever imagined? But this is just what God does. He works in the impossible. Beyond the veil of our human experience, he turns graves into gardens and seas into highways. His goodness is always working. It's always working for his people. And if you're a Christian in this house today, then this Romans 8 reality is for you too. It's for you in every season. With God, nothing is wasted. He will cause everything in every season to somehow eventually work together for the good of those who love him. And this means that in every season of your life, God is using all of your moments, all of your mistakes, all of your successes and defeats and fears and failures and even your sin, God can use it all and he can take it all beyond the vision of human comprehension and, and he can form it and he can craft it for good, for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. This is what God does. Now, why does God do this? Why would he go through the trouble? Verse 29. It's so that those he chose would become more like his son, Jesus. And this is it. This is the big picture here. God is orchestrating a future of open doors through his goodness for your good so you might see the good in every season just like Jesus would. 
going to say that one more time. God is orchestrating a future for you. A future of open doors through his goodness for your good so you might see the good in every season just like Jesus. This is the plan and this is the promise that God has set aside for you and for me and for all who believe. So, with that as a baseline, how can we, how can we get, how can we get there? How can we begin to see the good in every season when things seem impossible or painful or discouraging? How can we hold on to the promise that God is working just beyond our ability to see? Working all things together. How can we see the good in every season? Well, if you're taking notes today, I've got two simple steps that we can all take this morning. Two simple steps so that we might begin to see God's good, goodness working for our good, regardless of what we're going through. And if you're taking notes, they're up on the screen. Take a picture, write them down, whatever. These are some solutions. If you want to see the good and what's possible, you need to first fix your thoughts, and second, you need to pray about everything. Fix your thoughts and pray about everything. Let's start with fix those thoughts of yours. So much of our inability to see beyond the scope of a situation, it isn't so much a matter of willpower or, or even good intentions, but rather it's because our thoughts are anchored to our problems instead of his promise. We often lose sight of what could be because we're too overwhelmed by what is. And, and that's why Paul writes in Philippians chapter 4, our opening scripture, that we must fix our thoughts, not only repair our thoughts, but also attach our thoughts on what is true. That we'd fix our thoughts on what is honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Paul doesn't say, y'all, Paul doesn't say fix your thoughts on your problems. Paul doesn't say fix your thoughts on your pain or fix your thoughts on what seems impossible. No, he says think about things that are excellent. Think about the things that are worthy of praise. And this is step one to seeing the good in every season. We must fix our thoughts on Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. We must fix our thoughts on his goodness and his promises and what is possible through the power of his spirit. We must fix our thoughts on his thoughts, which, by the way, are nothing like our thoughts. Check this out from Isaiah 55, verse 8. This is God speaking through the prophet Isaiah to his people. He says this. He says, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. And this is where we must fix our vision and attach our attention our perspective. We must focus on the power of possibility in Jesus' name. We must fix our thoughts on his thoughts, which are far beyond anything we could ask or imagine. And, and I love how Jesus actually speaks to this plainly in Matthew chapter 19. It's just kind of towards the end of his ministry life. He's sitting there talking with disciples who had some questions, concerns about what was coming next. And so he, he presents some, some reality to them in, in Matthew 19, starting in verse 26. He says, you've probably heard this, humanly speaking, it is impossible. But with God, everything is what? Possible. 
Humanly speaking, it is impossible. The things you face, the story you're writing, the sin that holds you back, yeah, Jesus is like, humanly speaking, you, you don't got that. It's impossible. But with God, running with you, everything is possible. Are you with me, friends? Just like God moved before in Abraham and in Joseph and Moses and David and Solomon, the whole span of the, of the scriptures, just like God moved before in you and carried you through a moment that seemed absolutely impossible, just like before, God wants you to remember today with him everything is possible. And through that vision, he wants to, you to see and anticipate what he might do next with his goodness for your good. But again, to do that, we must fix our thoughts, repair our thoughts, attach our thoughts onto his thoughts, on his goodness, not our grief, on his promise, not our problems. The book of Hebrews uh, speaks to this practice and perspective in chapter 10, verse 34. I want to read this for you as an example, as a reference of a church that was able to see the good in every season. It says this. It says, you suffered along with those who were thrown into jail. And when all you owned was taken from you, you accepted it with joy. You knew there were better things waiting for you that will last forever. Let me, oh, whoa. <laughs> Let's read that again, let it sink in. It says, you suffered, you were thrown in jail, and everything you owned that brought you safety and happiness and security. Everything you own is taken away from you, not ideal. Seems like a pretty impossible moment to me. Still, it says these followers of Jesus, they accepted the season with joy because they knew, even if their situation didn't improve this side of heaven, better things were waiting on the other side of eternity. Better things were waiting on the other side of circumstances. Better things were waiting through an open door of hindsight, things that will last forever. These people, this church, fixed their thoughts on what was true. They fixed their thoughts on the realities of heaven and the promise of God's goodness, not the immediate awareness of their lack. It makes me think back to being... 28 with a broken heart, right? Feeling like all I had was crumbling around me. Just imagine. Imagine how my season would have been different had I approached that season, that moment, like we see in Hebrews 10, not wondering, God, why is this happening to me? But instead, God, what might you do with me for your glory and for my good? Just imagine how our Perspective would shift if we began to fix our thoughts on the Lord. In every season, expecting his goodness to work for our good, expecting him to keep his promise, expecting him to move. It, it would change everything. And it can. It can. We can see the good through the power of the Spirit. God has given us everything we need, and so we must fix our thoughts on his. Back to Philippians chapter 4. In our pain, we must remember what's true. In our confusion, we must remember what's honorable and right and pure. In our brokenness, we must remember what is beautiful. In every season, and with every closed door, we must fix our thoughts on all that is excellent 
and worthy of praise. We've got to fix our thoughts. We've got to fix our thoughts. And so for just, for just a moment, let, let's do that even now. So pause, come back to the beginning here. Now that you're on the other side of this, this moment that you found impossible, now that you're on the other side of the impossible, I just want you to think back on how God took what the enemy meant for evil and used it for good. I want you to remember how he met you. Fix your thoughts on how he carried you. Fix your thoughts on how he opened doors of possibility in what seemed like brick walls of, of reality. Remember how he made a way for you through the wilderness of your season. Remember how he made a way for you through the wilderness of your depression, of your fear, of your unemployment, of your indecision, of your failure, of your trauma, of your loss. Remember how he offered forgiveness for your past. Remember how he provided forgiveness for your sin and how he brought you redemption and salvation. Fix all your thoughts on what he has already done. Fix your thoughts on what he has already done and his promise of peace. And this is step one to see the good in every season. You need to fix your thoughts on his goodness. Which brings us up to the second step here, and that is, as you live with your focus and your attention on his reality, as you begin to live with great expectation for what could be, settling into a one-time through a brick wall isn't enough. You need to bring Jesus into everything. You need to pray about everything. In every season, friends, if you want to see the good, you must bring everything back to God in prayer. Philippians 4, one more time, Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. And I love, unfortunately, I love that there are zero qualifiers given here. For anyone feeling the weight of life, feeling the walls coming in around their season, folks grieving the loss of a dream, or even people that are in prison because of their faith, Paul still writes, don't, don't worry about it, guys. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Paul is saying, fix your thoughts on his promise, not your problems. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. And it's then, this is cause and effect, right? So it's then that you will experience God's peace which exceeds anything you can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Friends, if you want to see the good, you must pray about everything. Tell God what you need, trusting that he is working for good. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done before. No, thank you for all he's done before, knowing he'll come through again, because it's then that you'll experience God's peace. Don't worry. Instead, pray. In 1 Peter 1 speaks to this. 1 Peter chapter 5, sorry, speaks to this. When it says, so humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time he will lift you up in honor. Give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares about you. God wants to hear from you. He wants to take God wants to take all of your worries. And I'm preaching to myself right now. God wants to take all your worries. He wants to take all your disappointments. 
He wants to take all your confusion and your fear and your questions of why, why is this happening? He wants to take it all because he cares for you. And he wants you to be more like Jesus. Nothing is, is off limits here. Nothing is too personal. God isn't afraid of your doubts. God isn't afraid of your frustrations because he wants to take them. And he wants to take everything that you give him and make it work together for your good, your future of faith. And so let him have it. Pray about everything and be amazed as God brings you again and again to see the good on the other side. Y'all, we have a unique opportunity as God's people. We have an opportunity to live in every season with joy, knowing, come what may, our end will always end good. It's, it's almost like we've been given a cheat code in this life. Or, or we somehow, like, watch the end of the movie before the beginning. We know that our end will end good. And yeah, we might not always enjoy the ride. I can't imagine these folks really loved being in prison, but they were still able to exist there with joy. And I get that we live in a world of pragmatic cynicism where all is lost, but we still have Friends, if you're a Christian, we still have an informed optimism provided by the Holy Spirit. And this is the Christian confession that we hold to be true at Highlands. We are a people of promise where all things are possible. We can see the good in every season if we'd only have the courage and the faith to fix our thoughts on his and ask him for his peace in prayer. We can see the good and we must if we're to faithfully uphold our confession to Christ and accurately show the world what God is like, we must see the good in every season. So as we, as we close today, here, here's the challenge I want to issue. For anyone that gets trapped in patterns of realism or negativity or, or cynicism masked as like constructive feedback, you know who you are, I know who I am. This isn't a personality issue, it's a problem of perspective, okay? So here's the challenge. I need us all in the next week to make an, in an intentional shift in our attention over the next seven days where we would choose to actually fix our thoughts on his, on what's true and what's honorable and right and pure and lovely and, and admirable and excellent and worthy of praise. We, I, I, here's my challenge, I dare you. Shift your attention to the Lord and see what happens. See what happens. Why? Because what you bring into your life, where your eyes are focused, forms you from the inside out. I love how pastor, writer, John Mark Comer puts this when he says, what you give your attention to is the person you become. Put another way, the mind is the portal to the soul and what you fill your mind with will shape the trajectory of your character. In the end, your life is no more than the sum of what you gave your attention to. Keep that up there for a second. Let that sink in. Stunning, right? So let us be a church that focuses our attention on his way, on his truth and in his life. Trade your hour of social media that's stressing you out for an hour in the scriptures, guys. 
trade your hour of, of, of social media for an hour of listening to sermons or worship on YouTube. Take your attention back from Netflix, guys. Take your attention back or the endless emails or even the, the disappointments at home and instead invite the goodness of God to flood your heart and mind again in worship. Commit to time this week with Jesus and commit to being here next week. It's good for you. Church is good for you. If you want to see the goodness of God in every season, you need to blind yourself to the things that God hates. Take your attention back. If your phone is a problem, throw it away. If your job is a problem, let's get you a new one. If your family's going through a hard time, let's go seek wise counsel together. Let's believe for more, guys. But let's also live with intention for God to use. So that's the first challenge I have for you. Take your attention back from the distractions of this world and literally fix your thoughts on Jesus. And I promise, I promise what seemed impossible, what seemed impossible at first, the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So turn your eyes upon Jesus and fix your thoughts on him. And while you're at it, it's time to pray. It's time to pray. When you feel a moment of negativity creeping in, pray. Ask God to fix your thoughts. Ask God to fix them. When you, see a sense of, when you sense a season of challenge coming, pray and ask God to use it for good. When you're flying blind in a moment, lost in the dark of a season, pray and ask God to give you vision. Ask him to open doors for you to walk through. Pray about it. Pray about it and ask God to give you grace to be faithful in the next. Pray about everything and that and that is the challenge. Don't forfeit. Do not forfeit another day to the enemy by giving in to negativity and limitations. Though it makes sense to the world. Outside these doors, realism, pessimism, negativity, constructive criticism, all these different things, they rule outside the walls of the space. But us, we must be different. We must choose to see the good that God is doing or what God could do, and we can as we fix our, our thoughts on his promise and we seek his solution in prayer. And guys, this is, honestly, this is just what it means to be a Christian. This is what it means to be one of God's people, that we wouldn't be bogged down by the limitations of what the world might say, but that we would choose to see past the veil of our situations beyond the veil of our circumstances into what God might do through his spirit if he chooses to inject his goodness. And so let us be a church that sees the good. Amen? This is the way of Jesus. I want to pray for you as we go, and thanks for listening, and I hope, um, if you have any questions, I'd love to talk to you later about it, but let's go, and then we can uh, get on with it. Jesus, thank you. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your promise. Thank you that when all seems lost, God, you are just beyond, just two steps ahead, creating a future of goodness for us. Whether it's this or that side of heaven, God, we, we just claim that goodness today. And we ask that you would give us the ability to see your goodness, to see the good in every season of life. God, that you would give us the courage to, to fix our thoughts on yours. God, when things are creeping in and negativity takes over, God, give us the courage. Remind us, supernaturally, God, remind us to see the good, to fix our thoughts on what is true and right and beautiful. 
God, we ask that you would, that you would meet us in prayer. God, in these moments that, are, that, that seem hard or challenging, God, moments that creep in where, where our, our humanness takes over, God, we ask that you would help us approach that time with joy, knowing that you are there and you are good and you are leading us through. God, we claim your promises today, and we want to be people of that promise. And so even now, God, be with us, speak to us, rest heavy on us as we even now are going through hard times. Even now, we're going through things that seem confusing or challenging, things that seem frustrating. God, we ask that you would just supernaturally take over our heart and mind and that you would give us the eyes to really see your goodness in every season. So Jesus, we are, we are grateful. We're grateful that we are not resigned to, to just failure and flaws, God, but that you have captured our hearts and you've brought us near to you so we might live with intention where we see the good. So God, thank you for today. Thank you for this encouragement from the scriptures and thank you for meeting us in this place today. And so it's in your name that we pray and we all said, amen, amen. Hey, thanks for listening, everybody. We love you. Hope you have an awesome Sunday. If you are um, sticking around for our next two meetings, we're gonna start in like three minutes. And so if you wanna get your kids, you can. If you want a restroom break, whatever. We'll call you back in about three minutes and we'll get started. Thanks for being here.